And if you would go ahead and open up your Bibles right now, without any further ado, to Amos, the third chapter, and they'll put this on the screen for us. As Phyllis was mentioning a moment ago, we uh, around here in marriage meeting, we have a reading assignment. Anybody remember what the reading assignment is? It hasn't changed in years. We read Song of Solomon, two chapters per day for the rest of the week. So that'd be Tuesday through Friday, next four days. And that covers it. It's eight chapters in Song of Solomon, plus 1 Corinthians 13. So if you're here and you're serious, uh, let me uh, encourage you to take some time at some point and read that with your spouse. Read it out loud together. And the reason why I mentioned doing this is because these words, how many believe Song of Solomon is the Word of God? Then it is inspired by the Holy Spirit and there is so much more in there than lovely poetry. They are living words that minister beyond your head and what you understand. Just so many things. If it's the Word, it always does that. If you'll read it, listen to it in faith. You know, some of the different translations will show what's the husband's part and what's the wife's part. So you can just work it out among yourselves. But uh, what's the reading assignment? Help me out. Song of Solomon, two chapters every day, plus 1 Corinthians 13. And it would help you to read every, read it in different translations, you know, and uh, see what the Lord is saying to you. God is love, and love is described in by the Holy Spirit in this 13th chapter. So is that okay? Uh, I believe, well, I'm confident that if you'll do that in faith, the revelation, strength, things that you can't explain will be ministered to you. And some things, you don't see it the moment you're doing it, but it planted a seed in you. It started something in you. And over the course of the next days and weeks, changes become substantial. So uh, let's do that. Also, if you've never read Brother Hagen Sr.'s book on marriage, divorce, and remarriage, I highly recommend it. Brother Kenneth E. Hagen Sr., it's titled Marriage, Divorce, and Remarriage. Now, we don't have it. We don't carry it. But you can get it at uh, Kenneth Hagin Ministries. You can look on their website. If you've never heard him preach these things or read, read this, there is tremendous revelation. Answers. There are answers, answers, answers about marriage, about divorce, about remarriage. And so uh, just in our limited time this week, we certainly wouldn't be able to cover all of these things, but let me encourage you to get it and read it. In Amos chapter 3, did you find it? That was three people. Uh, Amos may be back there where your pages are stuck together, but that's all right. They'll put it on the screen for us. Amos 3.3, you've probably heard this before. It says, can two walk together? 
except they be agreed? Well, it's a question. What do you suppose the answer to this question is? The answer is no. No. And uh, this is quoted a lot of times and it's quoted in connection with marriage, married couples. But I don't know if, if a fuller meaning has been seen. If you look up this word in other places that it's translated, it has the, the definition is to fix upon and to meet. To meet. Even like meet for an appointment. To meet. And uh, let me read this to you from some other translations and you'll see why I mentioned that. The uh, New Century says, two people will not walk together unless they have agreed to do so. The complete Jewish Bible says it like this. It says, do two people travel together without having so agreed? Can you travel together without agreeing that you're going to travel together? And you'll see more clearly, New Living says this. Can two people walk together without agreeing on the direction? Now you really see it, don't you? Can two people walk together without agreeing on the direction, we might say, that they're going? The obvious answer is no. The Message Bible says it like this. Do two people walk hand in hand if they aren't going to the same place. The two people, it's impossible to walk hand in hand if you're going north and they're going south. If you've made up your mind, I'm going to Tampa. And they said, well, I'm going to Fort Myers. But we're together. (laughs) No, you're not. You can't be. Because you haven't agreed to go to the same place. That's what this verse is referring to when it says, can two walk together except they be agreed. Unless they've agreed on the direction and the destination, they can't go together. It's a physical impossibility. It's also a spiritual impossibility. Go to 2 Corinthians, the 6th chapter. You'll find this comes up in the New Testament as well. On the topic of agreement. 2 Corinthians 6 and 14. He said, do not unequally yoke yourself together with unbelievers. For what fellowship has righteousness with unrighteousness? What communion has light with darkness? Verse 15. What concord has Christ with Belial? What part has he that believes with an infidel? What agreement? Everybody say agreement. Agreement. What agreement has the temple of God with idols? And he goes on. Let me read this to you from the complete Jewish Bible. The complete Jewish says, verse 14 Do not yoke yourselves together in a team with unbelievers. Now the picture there 
is a yoke. This is very accurate from the Greek, the best I can tell. It's like two oxen being in a yoke together. How many know that for that to work and for there to be any benefit at all, both of those oxen have to go in the same direction at the same time? And that's the picture he's showing is that you're in a yoke with somebody, you're connected with them, you're teamed up with them, but he said, don't do that with unbelievers. For how can righteousness and lawlessness be partners? What's the answer? They can't, they won't. What fellowship does light have with darkness? What's the answer? It doesn't, it can't. Keep going. What harmony can there be between the Messiah and Belial? Belial, name for the devil. What's the answer? None. What does a believer have in common with an unbeliever? Now see, there's a a fatal flaw in what the world tries to tell you. You know, we're all just, uh, you know, children of the same God. A lot of them, they won't even say that. We're children of the earth or, or whatever. And, you know, we, if you won't talk about your religion, we could just all get along. Well, it's not true. Your nature is different. You are intrinsically different from an unbeliever. And unless you just scar your conscience and completely backslide, you will not be okay doing things that unbelievers want to do. It's not going to work. What does a believer have in common with an unbeliever? What's the answer? Nothing when it comes to significant things. Sometimes you'll hear, hear people say, well, opposites attract. Not in things that matter. <laughs> now with me or not. <laughs> it's okay if you like vanilla and she likes chocolate. <laughs> But if y'all want to go to different churches, not okay. Let me see what's wrong with that. Did you read or not? It's not going to work. People are trying to make it work unsuccessfully. Phyllis and I have been in the ministry now long enough to see some of these things come and go. And I'm telling you, it doesn't work. You cannot walk together unless you have agreed we're going the same direction to the same destination. Y'all with me friends? It's a physical spiritual impossibility to walk hand in hand if you're trying to live two different lives have two different faiths impossible to have a real relationship like you should have I mean, if neither one of you really believe anything, you just mentally ascribe, well, both of you is unbelievers. <laughs> Are y'all with me, friends? But if you really believe something, you can't go hand in hand with somebody that totally believes something opposite. So in things that matter, it's not true that opposites attract. Not in significant things. Keep, keep reading verse 16. What agreement can there be between the temple of God and idols? None. 
For we are the temple of the living God. Come on, somebody say, we are. The temple of the living God. As God has said, I will house myself in them. I will walk among you. I will be their God and they will be my people. Somebody say, thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Praise God. Look with me in uh, Matthew, the, uh, I believe it's the 16th chapter. I don't know if I wrote that down or not. Actually, go to Matthew 18. This is found both in Matthew 16 and Matthew 18. But go to Matthew 18, verse 16. Matthew 18, 16. Well, I'll tell you what, for time's sake, skip down to verse 18. Jesus said, whatever you bind on earth will be bound in heaven. Whatever you loose on earth shall be loosed in heaven. Again, I say to you that if two of you shall agree on earth as touching anything that they shall ask, it shall be done for them of my Father which is in heaven. For where two or three are gathered together in my name, there am I in the midst of them. Here we see again agreement. If two of you shall what? Agree on earth as touching anything that they shall ask. It shall be done for them of my Father which is in heaven. This is something husbands and wives should be doing on a regular basis. The head of the church said, if you'd get in agreement on it and ask it in faith, Jesus said it would happen. Well, why don't we see more of it happening? It's that agreement thing. (laughs) It's that actually getting in agreement. How can two walk together unless what? Agree to what? Agree we're going the same direction to the same place. Actually, the word translated agree here is the word Symphoneo. Have you ever heard a word that sounded like that before? It's from the word symphonos. We get our word symphony from it. Symphony. It means to be harmonious, to be in agreement, to be in one accord. The root word literally means to sound together. And it is used of musical instruments. He's talking about a, if any two of you, that would include a husband and a wife, if any two of you will symphonize, it's touching anything you ask, it'll be done for you, Jesus said. Why do we call a symphony a symphony? Because you take 20, 30, 40, 50, 100 instruments. And what do you do? Why do they need a conductor? Why does he keep pointing here, doing this and doing that? He's corralling all these. Is that right? Down the same flow. So that they are together. So that they are in harmony. 
That's what marriage can be. Now, the enemy will fight it. And you got flesh. So he's got something to work with. <laughs> I know that doesn't bless you to hear that, but <laughs> how many remember 1 Corinthians 7 talked about such will have trouble because of the flesh? More flesh you got, more trouble you got. But if you learn how to symphonize, guys, I want you to demonstrate this. Y'all stand up if you would. Everybody stand up. <laughs> uh, I want y'all to split right in the middle here. You know, y'all split one to one side, one to the other. And uh, I want this side to sing, God, you're so good. And then I want this side to sing, row, row, row your boat. <laughs> At the same time. Guys, I want you, you, and you to play in F. <laughs> you, rest of you guys, and you can play in any, any key you want to, Nate. Uh, <laughs> rest of you guys play in C. And just don't be bashful. Play right out. Are y'all ready? Have you got it? Okay, go right ahead. just doing what they felt like doing at the time. And they were just being their self. And doing their thing. And these guys were doing their own thing. And these guys were being true to their self. And it was terrible. <laughs> And that is a graphic example, sadly, of many marriages. Because people are playing in their own key, singing their own song. Somebody say, well, I got, I got to be me, and I got to stay, you know, true to my truths. You're messed up. You're not thinking right at all. If you're a believer. Now, if you're an unbeliever, you do whatever you want to. And you're not even saved. But if you're a believer, you're not supposed to do your own thing. None of us are. Parents of serious Christians, talking about young people, teenagers, shouldn't tell, even tell their children that they can be anything they want to be when they grow up. Because it's not true. So what do you mean? If Jesus is your Lord, you are not your own Lord. 
You are not supposed to just decide what you want to be and do. That's already been decided for you. God already had a plan for you. It's for you to find that plan and pursue it with all your heart. And that is the foundation of a successful godly marriage. Same thing. We got to get in the same key. We got to sing the same song. Is that right? Thanks, guys. Y'all can be seated. We've got to get on the same page. How can two walk together if they hadn't even agreed to sing the same song? He's doing his thing. She's doing her thing. I mean, we've had people try to convince us that they can live on opposite coasts. He's on the East Coast. She's on the West Coast. And they're married. He's got a profession. She's got a profession. They see each other, you know, every two or three months maybe. If you have to go to serve your country, if you have to go on a mission work or something, and the Lord told you to do it, he'll sustain you. Yes. He'll help you. But to just volitionally say you're going to live two separate lives, it's not going to work. And you have exposed yourself to undue temptation. And a lot of times neither one of these guys is going to church anywhere. Y'all okay or not? Well, we can play church. Or we can do what we need to do to have what God intends for us to have. And have marriages that can withstand the onslaught of this dark world. Too many times people just come and they try to say nice things about marriage. But you know the truth. Marriages have been failing on a massive scale. And if you know the truth, you understand why. It shouldn't be a mystery to you why it didn't work. You got Christians trying to live by slogans they heard in the world. Marriage, they say, is a lot of give and take. Where's that scripture? And who gives? And who takes? <laughs> and when? And, uh, well, marriage is a 50-50 proposition. Where's that scripture? And who's keeping track? You know, if it, uh, if it has messed around and got to 75-25, <laughs> who's keeping track? How are we going to get it fixed? Not true. Marriage is not a 50-50 proposition. Marriage is a 100-100 proposition, and I'm not talking about to each other. Go with me to Luke 14. These things are serious. We should get serious about them and not play church while people's marriages are destroyed. There's a lot of people who don't want to hear what we're talking about tonight. They won't accept it, and we can't help that. There's a lot of people who will never acknowledge that God even exists or that Jesus is Lord. We can't help that. We can have victory in our own lives. And we can be a light in a dark world. And there will be some people who will get tired of the failure and the agony and want to come find out how we're avoiding it. Why our life is different. 
Not to say we hadn't made any mistakes or would never make a mistake, but if your foundation is firm, hallelujah, then you will withstand, like Jesus described, the storms. Hallelujah. Now I I need to go further. What kind of marriage will be a successful marriage? Many people would say it's built on God. And that is not correct. Say what? God never changes. And God never fails. So if it was really built on God, it would not fail. And yet how many marriages have people said when they started out, our marriage is built on God. And yet they failed in the first year. Or two years. No. It's not just built on God. And do you remember the passage where Jesus talked about building your house on the rock versus building it on the sand? What is the rock? No. What's the rock? Doing the word. Doing. If you he, do you remember it now? If you are a doer of what I say. If you hear the word and don't do it, you're like the person that built your house on the sand. And everything looks good and fine until the storm hits. And there will be storms in life. Nobody makes it through their entire married life with no storms. Nobody. The Lord didn't say you'd never have a storm. What he did say is he'd never leave you. He'd never forsake you. If you stay with him, he'll always cause you to triumph. So the, the foundation of the successful marriage is not just God. It's yours and their commitment to do the will of God. To do his word. Your commitment to do it. Brother Hagin said this. In teaching on these things. He said in, in looking at marriage. Talking about Phyllis mentioned single people. He said find someone. Of equal spirituality. And build a life together. For Jesus. What does that mean, find someone of equal spirituality? It's another way of saying, don't be yoked together with unbelievers. Look with me in in Luke 14. In Luke 14, without reading all of it, Jesus tells the parable of the man who invited the guest to his banquet. And one by one, they begin to make excuses and say, I can't come. And one of them in verse 20 says, I just got married and I can't come. Marriage, family, children does not take precedence over church and ministry and God. If you put your children first, you're teaching them by example not to put God first in their lives. If you let everything that comes up with them cause them and you to miss church, then don't be shocked when they don't see the importance of going to church. 
and putting the things of God first place. There's only one number one spot in your heart and life. Right? And if God is that, nobody else can be. Not your spouse, not your child, not your grandchild, not your job, not your career, not your hobbies. Read verse 26. I'm going to read this in the easy to read translation. What will the truth do for you? Help me out, friends. What will the truth do for you? It'll make you free. It can save your marriage. It can save your family. But you can't play with it. You believe, you hear it. Is it true or not? If it is, you believe it. You receive it. If you're not in line with it, you make adjustments. Are we going to walk in the light, church? We can be examples in a dark world. Hallelujah. We can get through things that other folks don't make it through with his help. But we have to give him something to work with. We have to do our part. He said here, if you come to me, but will not leave your family, you cannot be my follower. The King James says, if you don't hate your father, mother, wife, children, brothers, sisters. And a lot of times folk avoid even reading that because they think, well, I, what does that mean? Is he? Other verses say, love people. It means, I'm going to paraphrase a little bit, anything that would stand between you and following the Lord all the way, you should despise. Anybody or anything, including your own self, your own thoughts and ideas and plans that would hinder you from following God. Because he's talking about being a disciple, following the Lord. If you come to me, but you won't leave your family, you cannot be my follower. You must love me more than your father, mother, wife, children, brothers, sisters, even more than your own life. Whoever will not carry the cross that's given to him when they follow me cannot be my follower. If you wanted to build a building, verse 28, now this all goes together. If you wanted to build a building, you'd first sit down and decide how much it will cost. You must see if you have enough money to finish the job. Is he talking about the same thing? He is. Oh, friend, there's been a lot of loss in our generation and the previous couple especially. We are reaping right now from the rebellion of the 60s. And it has gotten worse and worse and worse. Where more and more people see no need to go to church and no need to get married. Have no respect for it. And that's why people just go from one relationship to another, to another, to another, and die lonely. This is what we should do in anticipating marriage. A man and woman that are saying they love each other and they want to get married should uh, talk to their pastors and ask them what they think about this union. Now that is a novel idea, isn't it? Ask them. We've seen a lot of miracles in marriages. People that you would have thought would have never made it that are happy and and successful today 
we've also seen marriages fail. Just in the last couple of years, I'm, I was thinking today of two that people we love and care about knew that had been in the church a little bit or a lot that their marriages have failed. A lot of pain. A lot of hurt. And uh, in both of them, I was asking Phyllis about it. I said, did they, uh, did they ask us about this union? No. They told us last minute that they're going to. And uh, they hadn't talked about whether they're going to church. They hadn't talked about what they're going to do. And the Lord, I, I, didn't, I hadn't seen it until today, like I said. He said they started their marriage disrespecting me. And it failed soon, right away. There's been others. We talked about one today. They came and they asked us. And our associates, uh, stand up some of you guys. Rob, Carrie, Dave, Kim, stand up. Who's, who else? Tom and Amy. These are some of our associates. Kevin and Susan. And their guys, Jody and Sally's there in Branson, I guess, and others. These are some of our associates. Thank God for them. And a lot of times they're the ones talking with some of these guys. Thank you. Y'all can be seated. And, uh, of course, they, we stay in the loop. Even if I'm halfway across the country or another country. A lot of times, you know, we got internet, you know. And uh, I'm talking to Phyllis, and she'll bring something up to me. And I don't need to personally answer everything, but I'm usually in the loop. And Phyllis is even more so than me on some of these things. And, and so in this particular case, we said, no, you guys are not ready. And we've seen that before, and people just walk. They get huffy, they get mad, they walk, and two years later we hear they didn't make it. This has happened over and over again. These guys didn't. They said, Really? They didn't like it at first, but we said, no, you need to spend more time together. You got to talk. Where are you going to live? Where are you going to go to church? What are you going to do with this? What are you going to do with that? What is that? Counting the cost. Not just we're in love with each other. We're excited. We're ready to start. Yeah, but can you finish? A lot of people start. And in order to be successful... You need to start, and, and I know a lot of us didn't do this. We also had trouble too, didn't we? <laughs> but if we got good churches and we got good people and we know some word, every prospective couple should do some serious talking with each other and praying. Where are we going to live? Where are we going to go to church? Not his and hers. You go to yours, I go to mine. No. Well, we do it. Yeah, and, and I can already tell you got problems. We've dealt with this for decades. I know what I'm talking about. You need to talk about sex. In detail. You need to talk about children. Going to have them? Not going to have them? How many? You need to talk about money. We're going to tithe? We're going to save? Who's going to take care of what? What are we doing? You're counting the cost. 
You're looking to see. If you're serious, then you're not trying something for a few days to see if it works or not. You're going to enter into a covenant. Did you hear the guys with the 61 years? That's what they said. We entered into a covenant between us and God and each other. And they're going stronger than they have 61 years later. This works. This works. Didn't intend to say a lot of this, but... Too many divorces, too many failures, and people scratching their head act like they don't know why. There are reasons, and significant reasons. The Lord said to me some years ago, did, did you know that he said in the scriptures, the Lord gave gifts to men. And he mentions the fivefold ministry, apostles, prophets, evangelists, pastors, teachers. And the Lord said this to me, he said, many of my people are not deriving the full benefit out of the gifts I've given them. Because they won't give them place in their life. They give them no place. And he said this to me later. He said, many of my people are working without a net. Trapeze term. What do you mean? If you're working without a net, what does that mean? If you fall, splat. Right? (laughs) Why would you work without a net when you can have a net... That if you fall, there's something to catch you. Something to help you. And what he's talking about is the ministry gifts. Now remember I mentioned just a moment ago. These people whose marriages just failed right away. They didn't ask us. I I remember this has happened how many times? Phyllis Phyllis will tell me so-and-so is getting married. And I say, did they ask us? No. Told us last minute. And sometimes we've had to tell them, no, we won't perform the ceremony. Mm -hmm. Oh, they go off and do it. Yeah, I know. Starting off their relationship disrespecting God. But see, look, we we live in a generation where things have slid so far away from God and respect and honor and his things to people feel indignant that you even mention that we should ask. Mm -hmm. And we've seen others that did listen, like I mentioned earlier. And it worked wonderfully. Within a few months, things came together. They got in agreement. They know where they're going. And they're stronger now, years later, than they were when they started. Somebody say, count the cost. Count the the cost. You need to talk. If you can't talk about it, you're not ready to get married. And if you imagine you're going to change them. Well, I, we'll, we'll get it all changed later. <laughs> mm. Well, <laughs> go with me, please, to, let's see, the Lord gave me three examples from the Bible of marriages that didn't work <laughs> while they're in there. For us to learn what not to do, what doesn't work, right? Go to Exodus, the fourth chapter. Exodus 4 and verse 25. This is the the account of a few things that happened with Zipporah, or I guess Zipporah is maybe the more correct pronunciation, who was Moses' wife. 
And they had at least two children, he and she. But from all accounts, she was not with him on virtually any of the amazing things God did for them. She stayed with her daddy in daddy and mama's house. And once that happened, I don't guess they were ever a husband and wife again for years and years. And this is where it went wrong. God told Moses, and he told Abraham to circumcise babies and children and men, and Moses was supposed to do that too, and he hadn't done it. And he got in trouble with God over it. Well, why would that have been? We can see now, Zipporah didn't want to circumcise the children. She didn't grow up as a Hebrew. And apparently, she, you know, why would Moses, who's a real man of God, just keep putting this off and keep putting this off? Well, when he's about to die, he's, judgment is about to come on him. At the last second, Zipporah took a sharp stone and cut the foreskin off her son and threw it at Moses' feet and said, you are a bloody husband to me. And this, in essence, was the end of their marriage. She went home with daddy, and you read about him and the Israelites and their tricks and the miracles that God did for them. And later on, you see him marrying a Cushite woman that Miriam and his brother found fault with, and they got in trouble with God over that deal. But this is obviously a marriage that did not work. And how many think it's an amazing thing what God did with Moses and the children of Israel and his wife missed the whole thing at daddy's house? Why? She despised the ordinance of God. This you'll see again and again. In order for a a husband and wife, a marriage to be successful, you have to share a love for God. And you have to share an equal respect for His things. Y'all with me, saints? And if you don't, how can two walk together? If you don't, there's going to come a time where they are willing to go further with God and you're not. Yes. Or vice versa. Mm-hmm. And you will esteem something as important and precious and they won't. Mm-hmm. And what you see, I believe you can see indications of it. Zipporah cared more about a normal home life than she did obeying God. Yeah. And so... She's not following him around, trekking around through the wilderness, hearing from God. She's going home to daddy and mama where they got air conditioning. (laughs) And you eat steak every Thursday. The kids can go to a good school and family first. She's putting her kids first and their comfort 
and their security. And she missed the whole thing. Now, here's something that came clear to me as I'm looking at this today. A lot of times we kind of think it's up to us whether we decide to spend the next several years with each other as husband or wife or not. It can get out of your hands like that. Where it's no longer your choice. Brother Hagin and Miss Aretha tell about how when he following the leading of the Lord, he left the pastorate of their church, went out on the road. The Lord told him to, but it was hard. He traveled by automobile. He said he put over a million miles on cars, driving to meetings in the U.S. and Canada. And the only time he'd be off was a week at Christmas. He'd throw when he could, he'd drive by home and be there for a day or two and repack, and he's back out again. Holding meetings. Some they back then they had meetings four, five, six weeks at a time. Yes. Yes. Seven, eight weeks at a time. And uh, after a while, Miss Aretha is hurting at home. He's hurting, he's missing the kids growing up. And uh, she began to put pressure on him. I'm not telling something private. She talked about this. Mm-hmm. And, uh, you know, it's, I don't care who you are, what kind of man or God you are. It's tough when your wife's pressuring you. And, and she's hurting and you know she is. Adam missed God over Eve. Is that right? And that's happened again and again and again. And women have missed God over men. But uh, they decided it's too high a price to pay. And we're going to take another pastorate where I can be home, be with you, be with the kids. So they went to a church and they were going to, he's going to preach and they were going to vote and they're bored about him. He's going to be the next pastor. And so they were, they went to the uh, Sunday school rooms and he was with the men, she was with the women. And he said he sat down that morning and his heart stopped. And he fell in the floor. And he said, you know, if you heard his testimony, he said, I've been dead several times before. And I knew his body's, his spirit's leaving his body. Well, Mom Hagen, on the other side of the little church, she knew it in her spirit immediately. And jumped up and ran across. And there he is, cold and, and pale, in the floor. And she jumped down beside him and started repenting. Because the Lord had told her, I could take him where he never would come back. Not just talking about death, but talking about to the mission field, to anywhere else. I'm just, I'm elaborating that sometimes we we are thinking, well, we decide whether we're going to stay together or not. It can get out of your hands just like that. What we need to be is completely submitted to the will of God right now. And she started repenting and say, oh, God, forgive me, forgive me, forgive me. Lord, take him wherever you want to. I'll be happy. And about that time, he said his spirit came back in his body. And when he spoke, he's repenting too. And they both in the floor repented before God and said, Lord, forgive us. We'll never do this again. And they told the people, we're sorry. We cannot pastor this church. And uh, you think about it. Now, what if... He had taken that church and that was it. They pastored there till they retired. There would have been no rhema. You wouldn't be looking at me and Phyllis. 
Are all these guys, right, that, that were either graduates or influenced or something, it matters so much that we obey God far more than we know. But in order for a husband and wife to make it, it can't be that one is willing to commit more than the other. There's going to be a rift. There's going to be a pull. If you got that same willingness to commit and go all the way with God, if you got that same respect, the other things can work out. You can get the answers on everything else. Because that is the rock. That is the foundation whereon your house can withstand any storm. A complete commitment to go all the way. Run the whole race. Finish the entire course. Zipporah didn't respect. Circumcision wasn't Moses' idea. Right? But she didn't respect God enough to honor him and, and be hooked with him. Obviously, she fought him on it until he about died. Sound familiar? That's why I told you this other story. Look with me to a second example. Second Samuel chapter 6. Second Samuel 6. David married Saul's daughter whose name was Michal. I believe that's the correct pronunciation. I think I called it Michael for years, but Michal, I think it is. And when he became king, he, re- he had not been with his wife for years and actually gave her to somebody else to be married. And, and he said, I want my wife back. And, and he got his wife back. And the Ark of the Covenant had been mishandled. The Lord told him, always have it on poles and it's carried on the shoulders of the priest. But again, lack of respect. They decided to put it on a cart. And the oxen stumbled and one of the men reached up and touched it and died. Somebody say no respect. respect. And uh, so it scared David, scared everybody. So they let the ark stay where it was with some people. And then they saw God bless the people there because they were respecting it. And so then they, somebody got out the Bible yeah. <laughs> and found where the Lord said, on the poles, on the shoulders, only the priest. Yes. And nobody ever touches the ark. Yes. Ever. Yes. And so this time they were very particular about how they did it. And then nobody died. And the anointing was there. And David was so happy that he danced. He, he didn't have his kingly robes on. He had a, a like a linen slip shirt. I, I don't believe he was naked, but, uh, you know, for a king, he wasn't dressed up. But he was busting some moves out there. He was, he was jumping. He was, he was praising God. And his wife saw him coming and dancing, and she despised him. In uh, 2 Samuel 6, 16, as the ark of the Lord came into the city of David, Michal, Saul's daughter, looked through a window. Let me just stop right here. Why isn't she down there with him? Celebrating. If he thinks this is the most important thing going on today, he's a king, he's a prophet. 
What's she doing in the house? Looking through the window. She got something more important going on than the ark returning. Do you see significant problems here? We, Phyllis and I, years ago, we actually had a woman tell us we, uh, uh, we were there speaking at their church. And she never came. The pastor's wife. And so we saw her one time after a service. We ate together. And uh, something came up. We didn't push her about it. She said, well, God told him to pastor. Not me. <laughs> That's ridiculous. That's ignorant. And all she's doing is completely missing out on all the rewards she should be gaining. Them two working together as a team. He needs her help. How can two walk together? Unless what? Agreed on what? We're agreed God is number one. We're agreed nothing's more important than the things of God. Not what I want, not what you want, not our plans, not our retirement, not our kids, not our grandkids. Now I know a lot of people that they won't listen to this, they won't agree it, but they'll suffer the consequences too. If you will receive this, you can be safeguarded. You can have a measure of blessing and light and life on you and your marriage and family that most people never experience. But you have to respect the things of God. Here, McCall sees her husband, the king, a psalmist and a priest and a prophet. And he thinks it's time to dance. And everybody around him is joining in. I mean, this, I mean, the roof's coming off this place. They are shouting. They are praising. They've got the amps turned up on 10. You can feel it. <laughs> And what's she doing? What's she doing? (laughs) Bitter, mad, upset. Look at him. Look at him. That just disgusts me. What's going on here? I think you can see Zipporah, she cared more about a normal Family life, normal home life, and forfeited being a big part of the plan of God. She got it. She got her little comfort zone at mom and daddy's house. Had no idea what she lost, what she forfeited. Her name ought to have been right in there. Exodus. Is that right? Every other chapter. We should read Moses and Zipporah. There she was. Moses and Zipporah. And here, though, McCall is a different deal. She, uh, she said she despised him in her heart. And verse 20, when David returned to bless his household, he's, he's elated. Last time they tried to move the ark, people died. It was a bad day. <laughs> Today, we moved the ark. Nobody died. Everybody was happy. It's wonderful. The ark is back. I mean, the Philistines had it for a while. Can you imagine? The ark is back. The ark is back. Everybody's happy. Trumpets are blowing. People are shouting. Except 
in the car. And he comes back, not to find fault, to bless his household. Even though she's not out there with them celebrating and feasting, he brought her back uh, a big steak. And brought her back some fresh bread and brought her back. Even though she's up in there pouting and carrying on. And when he comes in, she says, listen, sarcasm. How glorious was the king of Israel today? Don't use sarcasm. It's ugly. It's insincere. It's dishonest. It can be acidic, bitter. The Bible tells us to be kind. Right? Say what you mean. Mean what you say. Don't cover animosity with pseudo-sweet words. How glorious was the king of Israel today. Uncovered yourself in the eyes of the handmaids of your servants. As one of the vain fellows shamelessly uncovers himself. She's trying to shame him. And actually the enemy through her is trying to shame him. But he won't have it. People can only shame you if you'll receive it. People can only belittle you if you receive it. You don't have to receive it. He said, it was before the Lord who chose me before your daddy. And all the rest of your bunch. And appointed me. I'm the king, did you forget that? Appointed me ruler over all the people. And therefore, I will play before the Lord. In fact, I'm going to get more vile than this. You ain't, you ain't seen dancing. And me jumping. And I'll be base in my own sight. And of the maidens you're talking about, they'll respect me. I'll, they'll have me in honor. And Michal, the daughter of Saul, had no child until the day of her death. Why say that? Why say it right here? She's not blessed. David is in the line of the Christ. And McCall is not part of it. Now that's a big deal. Is that a big deal or is that a big deal? Why? She despised. She thinks she's just got a problem with her husband. But she's despising the Lord. She's despising the things of him. Why isn't she happy? That the ark is back. Why aren't she out there with everybody else? And you see. Different from this wanting a. Normal home life. She cared about appearances. Oh are you listening? She cared about appearances. She cared about how he was dressed. And how he's carrying himself. And that he must not demean himself like a common person. Got to remember, she's Saul's baby girl. Youngest daughter grew up as the king's baby girl. And apparently she thinks she's above all this. You got to have the right protocol. You got to come in with the right pomp and circumstance. And you got to have the right designer labels. She missed some things, some precious things. 
she could have had with David. She could have had in the plan of God. Do you love the plan of God more than you love comfort? That was weak. More than you love security. More than you love a safe, comfortable routine. If you don't, sure don't marry somebody that was willing to go all the way. Because it's going to cost nothing but trouble. Right? (laughs) Do you love the Lord? Do you love his things and his plans more than designer clothes, labels, more than the best house or the best car? The Lord wants to bless you. He does. But he does not want you loving things more than you love him. He does not want you missing the will of God over a house. You won't move because you care more about that house and about your membership at the country club, whatever the case might be. Can you see McCall is having an issue with this? You're out there, not even dressed like you're supposed to, jumping around like some commoner. (laughs) And he went on to say, I'm going to humble myself before the Lord. He knows whether she does or not. Remember, why did he bring up I'm here instead of your daddy. (laughs) He hadn't forgot who put him there. Is that right? He said, not too long ago, I was chasing the sheep with a slingshot. (laughs) And now I'm the king, baby. I am the king. And I'm going to dance. I'm going to dance. I'm going to dance. I don't care who sees it. I don't care who likes it. Why? Because the ark is home. And God made me king. And I'm thankful. And I'm going to praise him. And I'm going to bless him. She should have been right there with him. Shouldn't she? She should have been right there. Right there. With him. Having fun. Oh, it's miserable to hang back at the house and look out the window and pout and be bitter. Who are you hurting? And you could be, like in her case, costing yourself a premier place in the plan of God. Because if you think that little of it and you're not willing to change, God can use somebody else. Somebody that will appreciate it. Somebody that wants it. Somebody said out loud, I love the Lord my God with all my heart, all my soul, all my mind, and all my strength. Nothing is more important to me than the plan of God, than the will of God. Hallelujah. And if you want to have a successful marriage, you've got to find somebody that feels the same way. We will go where the Lord says go. We will stay where the Lord says stay. We will do what the Lord says do. If you got that, then his hand's on you. And any of your idiosyncrasies or immaturities or insecurities, he will help you with. If, you, if you're giving him that much of your heart, he'll take care of the rest. 
If he needs to change, the Lord will help him change. She needs to change, and you do. Everybody needs to grow up. But if you're going that way, and she's going that way, and one of them loves God, willing to do anything, and the other's not willing to go to church but once every you know, year, you can't walk together because you're not trying to go to the same place. 1 Samuel 25. 1 Samuel 25. Oh, thank you, Lord. Thank you, thank you, thank you. Everybody say symphony. 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 <laughs> when the Lord looks at your marriage, do you want him to hear all that stuff we heard a while ago? <laughs> when they're singing two different songs, playing in two different keys. <laughs> uh-uh. What do you want the Lord to hear? <laughs> Somebody needs to go, hmm. Another one goes, hmm. <laughs> and then the oldest boy goes, hmm. Middle child goes, hmm. Baby child goes, hmm. What? We all getting up, going to church on Sunday. We all reading our chapter every day. We all put God first in everything. In our, in our marriage ceremony, we don't tell people what to do, but we tell them that a number of our folks, they put tithing in their wedding ceremony. Why? Right off the start, a commitment, we're going to put God first in everything. And some people choose to, some people don't, but if you're going to do it, what's the problem? And if you find out three months later, one of you wants to tithe and the other one doesn't, you should have got that figured out before you said, I do. People need to talk. So if you're around anybody, even if they don't go to church, this would help them out. They're talking about they, you know, they're about to get married next Friday or whatever, you know, whether they're just going to do it quick as they can or have you talked? Ask them, have you talked? <laughs> About what? Have you talked? They might call it religion. Have you talked about where you're going to go to church? Have you talked about these things? What, you believe in heaven and hell? The new birth? Have you talked about it? Have you talked about sex? Have you talked about children? It's amazing. People have sex and then they're shot when a pregnancy occurs. <laughs> How did you get here? <laughs> huh? <laughs> How'd I get here? <laughs> Somebody had sex. Is that right? <laughs> so if you have sex, you need to be prepared. Well, yeah, but we're doing this and that. Well, it don't always work now, does it? it you, you need to be prepared to rear a child with somebody. Which is why you don't need to be having sex until you got covenant. Now, I know a lot of people don't like that and they won't listen to it, but it's still what's right. That way, even if it is a relative surprise, the child's coming into something that's going to help them to be what they should be. They're going to get loved, they're going to get help, not hated, not destroyed, but received, loved, blessed. Thank you, Lord. In 1 Samuel 25 is the story of Nabal and Abigail, and David. David's on the run. Saul's after him. He and a bunch of men with him 
They live, they, they move every other day, sometimes twice a day. They got to they watch over their shoulder all the time because Saul's trying to kill him. And so they, they're in this place where a man named Nabal, who's a wealthy man, has a lot of sheep, a lot of things. It's the shearing of sheep time. And a lot of times they slaughtered sheep. And, and uh, it was a time of a lot of food and a lot of these things. And so in those days, if there was a band of soldiers about, they just came and took what they wanted. A lot of times kill the people too. Of course, David and his men are not that way. He sends a representation. Says, I noticed <laughs> that you're having a sheep feast here. Do you have any extra for us? And you got to remember that he's tired of running. And this is getting old. And they are not just going and taking things. And uh, Nabal pipes up, verse 10, 1 Samuel 25, 10, he says, who's David? Who's the son of Jesse? Everybody say disrespect. There be many servants nowadays that break away every man from his master. Shall I take my bread, my water, and my flesh that I've killed for my shearers and give it to men? I don't even know where they come from. No. That's a hard no. You go tell him no. And they probably said, you sure you won't tell him that? He said, I said, no. I'm not going to take my food. Who's this David? Who's this son of Jesse? Tell me who he was. Come on, help me out. The anointed of God. The next, whether he knows it or not, next king of the country. When they came back and told David, his face got red. It just, this was the wrong day. <laughs> to tell David <laughs> they've been running he's tired he hadn't done anything to Saul no. and this man's making his life miserable yes. and something just kind of snapped he said put your swords on hmm? now man they, they jumped up everybody got their gear on and he's headed to Nabal's house We're going to show him who he's talking to here. He said he didn't know who this David was. Well, let's introduce him. (laughs) Whether Nabal knows it or not, he's in a world of trouble. He and everything he's got. Because these guys, have you read about how these guys can fight? These guys take giants on, -on one-on-one, and win. One of these guys fought a lion hand-to-hand. And one. David killed a bear and a lion hand to hand and then killed God. You talk about <laughs> MMA guys ain't got nothing on these guys. <laughs> and they are mad and they're hungry. <laughs> he was hungry three days ago. <laughs> he just asked for a little mutton sandwich. <laughs> And Nabal's got nothing for him. And he went on to tell him, he said, you know, they, actually some of uh, Nabal's own employees came and tried to intervene said, look, all the time we've been out there, they've been there and they hadn't heard us and they've been like a wall around us. Yes. Nobody, the, you know, they've been a wall, they've been protection from the wild animals, yes. they've been protection from robbers, yes. probably a number of sheep that were not lost. Yes. 
if he'd have been thinking halfway right, he would have sent them some sheep and he would have still been ahead of ones they didn't lose. Yes. Because of David and his men. They all know this, but they didn't bring that up. They didn't say, you owe us. And I'm not saying David was right about this. But it just, he's not having the best day. And Nabal's wife, Abigail, heard about this. She said, he did what? (laughs) Nabal did what? She said, you better get the donkey. Get the donkey. Get that fast donkey. (laughs) And she said, and some more donkeys too. And load them up. Load them up. Get us some figs. Get us some dates. Get us some bread. And get us some mutton. And get some good stuff. And I mean load them. And I mean I want this thing to be ready to go in an hour. And she got on that. And buddy, she said, drive this thing. And when she got there, she flew off the donkey. She bowed in front of him. And she apologized and said, you know, you'll feel bad about this later (laughs) if you go kill all of them. And she said, Nabal, you know, his name means fool. And that's what he is. I'm sorry. (laughs) He just, he was acting a fool and I'm sorry. He apologized. And he died a few days later. And uh, Abigail is no longer married. A marriage, it didn't work out. Same thing, though. Nabal did not respect the things of God like Abigail did. He had no respect for God's choice, for the anointed of God. It's easy to say, our marriage is built on God. How do you see any of that? What does that mean? It's easy to say, we're, we're committed to God. If you never go to church... You don't give, you don't pray, you don't read your Bible. You're kidding yourself. God's not your foundation. He's not first. He's an add-on to your life to help you do what you want to do. That's not the way it's supposed to work. What did Brother Hagin say? Thinking about getting married? Find someone of equal spirituality. Equal spiritual experience. That involves this. Can you see this? Your experience is going to correlate with how much you love God. How much you've sought Him. How far you want to go with Him. And people get hung up on a lot of the smaller things. Their complexion. Their hair. Their size. Their height. All of these things. Their education. Their this and that. And you you know we even got songs that say all you need is love. That is not true. That is not true. People have started out just, you know, what's the word? Infatuated with each other. Only to hate each other in a year or two. Love wasn't enough, what they're calling love. It's got to be based on more. People say, it's based on God. What does that mean? A commitment to pursue, to find the will of God and to do it. To respect the things of God. Respect the word. Respect the offerings of the Lord. Respect the ministry. Respect the church. And what did the Lord say? If you honor me, 
Help me out, saints. What, what, what did he say? God giving you beautiful, healthy children is honoring you. Help and sustain them and protect them so that they grow up safe. And they're smart and they develop. <laughs> that's God honoring you. Giving you a good place to live and helping you to make good money. That's God honoring you. Is that right? Sparing you from crime and loss and storms and all kind of things. That's God sparing you. But you, and honoring you. But you've got to give him something. You've got to honor him. He said those that honor me. I'll honor. But those that despise me. You hear that word? Despise me. See that's what Zipporah did. That's what McCall did. That's what Nabal did. Their spouses didn't. But they did. And God used their spouse. But the marriage didn't work. Gone. Why would the Lord talk to us about this tonight? So we don't suffer that same fate. So that we're spared. And even if you didn't start out with equal commitment to God, you can change your heart. Both parties can get on board. Stand on your feet, please. Oh, somebody say, thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Father. Thank you, Father. This ministry has been brought to you today free of charge by the partners of More Life Ministries and Faith Life Church. If you would like to help send this word to others at no charge, you can become a word sender today. For more information, visit our website at morelife.org.